welcome to We Read It One Night, the podcast where two sisters giggle and gossip over romance novels. This episode, we're squealing over Olivia Waite's The Lady's Guide to Celestial Mechanics, which has a sexy stem sapphic falling in love with her hot, older, sewing sapphic lady friend. Listener, they were roommates. Here you go. To STEM Week Round Two. Last week we did Modern Woman Women in STEM with the Love Hypothesis, and this week we're doing Historical Ladies in STEM with the Ladies Guide to Celestial Mechanics, and they're Ooh. also Sapphics, which is even better, <laughs> in my opinion. So I feel like given this book is The Lady's Guide to Celestial Mechanics, it's appropriate to include a Daylight Savings rant here. <laughs> and I feel like I've been seeing – maybe it's just targeted at me, but I feel like I've been seeing a lot more Daylight Savings negativity on the interwebs recently. Like I've just been seeing a lot more posts hating on it. I mean I mean, standard time. Savings because we just yeah. left yes, yes. Daylight Savings. Yes, standard time yeah. relativity so or negativity. No, so there for was those- a lot of hate. There was a whole chat in my office, like group chat, yeah. where we all Thank- hating on daylight Excellent. savings. Excellent. So for those who don't know, daylight savings is literally pointless. And also <laughs> it's been – actually, the, the change is pointless, okay? So I think the only reason we haven't – that we still do it is because the quote-unquote real time is right now and it's been getting shorter and shorter since like forever. I don't even know. So now, right now, there's only like four months of like quote unquote real time, eight months of daylight, daylight saving, and oh, I'm pretty really? sure Florida, yeah, Florida, a year, a few years ago was like trying to get on permanent daylight savings time, which Russia has done, um, and you know, love Russia, hate Russia, it's a great fucking idea. So uh, I think yeah. I think what we should all do is go to permanent daylight saving time. Uh, that is my opinion. It is. Also objectively it's correct. My opinion. <laughs> I'm sure I don't know if everyone knows this by now, but there's like tons of research about how just the switching of the time like kills people. Like it cause it's way more heart attacks, way more car accidents, just like all the negative things. It's completely unnecessary. Um yes. You know what it is? <laughs> you know what? what it is? It's the early bird lobby. Okay. Because I think it's our mm-hmm. standard time benefits only the early birds and like not even like the average joe early birds like the extreme early birds who get up at like four in the morning because that's when the sun rises now like it benefits nobody nobody is up i'm losing like four hours of daylight every day because i'm getting up at a reasonable hour my my only conspiracy theory that i thought of recently is that somehow there's probably some study that like daylight on your way to work makes you like a harder worker and so the corporations are like, yes, of course, we must give the people their hour of daylight before they come work for us, not after work or during their actual free time, because that doesn't benefit us. I have no evidence for that, but I just feel Me like it's at the people plausible. lobbying to go on permanent daylight savings. Godspeed, comrade. <laughs> <laughs> Godspeed. No, but I, yeah. Huh. So this book, The Lady's Guide to Celestial Mechanics, opens up on – By Olivia Waite. Indeed. Opens up on Lucy's former lover's wedding. 
So yeah, bitch Priscilla. She has a bitchy <sighs> name. No offense if your name is Priscilla, but like, I'm sorry. Like, if a character is named Priscilla, I automatically assume I'm like this character is a bitch. And you know what? I was right immediately off the bat. Priscilla fucking sucks, and I so, hate her. So, so Lucy is about 25, mid 20s. Um, she is a lesbian. She is living in what time period is this? Like 1870, 1816, 1816. Oh, it's 1816, Rachel. Oh. It's as it at the beginning of the way off. The beginning of the book. England. This is the Regency. <laughs> <laughs> okay, Regency era England. Um, <laughs> she has up until recently lived with her dad and her brother. Her dad is an astronomer, and she has not only helped him for many years, but she's basically taken over like all of the hard math of his astronomical discoveries for like many years now. Um, so she's like really smart, really good at math. Um, she's a sexy her, lady scientist. Yeah. She's a sexy sapphic scientist. And until like a few months ago, she's been in a relationship with her school friend Pris. Um, however, Pris, Pris a few months ago out of nowhere without giving Lucy any warning, it's like, hey, I'm marrying this dude. So Harry. see you later. Um, and Lucy is understandably devastated. Um, she's really sad. And so she's like crying throughout the wedding. Um, but lucky for her, she has her brother to comfort her and her brother. No. Not I, being sarcastic. <laughs> it wasn't clear from your tone of voice. So her brother is like, hey, don't worry. No one's going to hire a lady astronomer anyway. So I'm going to sell your telescope. Lucky for Lucy, she is about to get a letter from the Countess of Moth, a.k.a. Catherine. So <laughs> Catherine is known as like a famous explorer. She's been sending, um, I guess, like astronomical coordinates and data to Lucy and her dad for years. Um, and that's been really useful to them in their astronomical work. Um, but this time, Lady Moth is writing to be like, hey, sorry your to hear your dad died. Um, we really wanted him to translate this fancy physics astronomy book from French, <laughs> do you have any suggestions for someone else who could translate it? And Lucy is like, it's my chance to scam my way into a free trip to London and also translate this French celestial body book, which I don't remember the name. It sounded a little bit like Elephant, the person that wrote it. Their name Alehan. sounded like Oliphant. You know what, Rachel? Here's, here's the thing. <laughs> I hate the French language. I hate it. I think it is horrible. I hate that they don't pronounce anything at all the way it should be pronounced. And so this person is going to be named Elephant for the rest of this podcast. I will not be bothering to attempt to pronounce whatever nonsense French, French pronunciation was going on there. It's not that hard to pronounce. So more about Catherine, our girl Catherine, Countess of Moss, Moth, world famous explorer. <laughs> Um, Catherine is a widow. Her husband is named was named George Saint Day, and George Saint Day. A little bit about him: he is frankly the epitome of small dick energy. He is horrible. You get you learn about this in bits and pieces, but you pretty much like get the feel of this from the first time Catherine thinks of him. He was definitely verbally, emotionally abusive and essentially like browbeat Catherine because she's like rich and a countess into like funding his scientific journeys. And she like didn't want to do any of that. And she like everyone knows her as this like wonderful, the wonderful traveling countess. But like she was like, I literally just had to do that because my husband was a dick and emotionally manipulated me for like 10 years. 
which she doesn't realize at first is what happened. Um, That's sort of like her journey throughout the book is like, oh, wow, that was like way more fucked up than I even realized. Like she didn't really, really realize how bad it was until like she has a healthy partner, a.k.a. our girl Lucy, who is hanging out in Lyme, which is somewhere on the coast. And... She's there and she's like, well, you know what? I frankly am a better astronomer than my papa ever was. And also I can speak French, which I'm going to have to take off some points for Lucy for speaking French because I hate that, even though that's literally the whole plot of this book is based on her ability to speak French. So she's like, I am competent and I'm going to go to London and meet Lady Moss in person so that she can't reject me. So even she's going to use the power of social awkwardness to weasel her way into (laughs) translating this book. It is moth though, right? Like the fluttering insect. Yeah, Moth, moth. Yeah, not moss. Something that's really cool about Catherine Lady Moss is that she has a- You just confirmed her name and then you called her Moss again. (laughs) Anyway, it's cool that she has a title that passes through the female line. So that's why she was rich and her mom made sure that her future husband couldn't just like take her money. And so that's why. It's not just a boys club here in the British aristocracy. (laughs) It mostly is 99% a boys club. (laughs) So Lucy putzes on off to London. She arrives. um, And unfortunately – I don't know for who, but she almost immediately reminds Catherine of her late husband, George, um, because Mm. of her ambition, which is a red flag, understandably, for Catherine. Um, She did not like being dragged everywhere and being completely tied to science day or night to the complete exclusion of anything that she would have preferred to do. And so when Lucy's like, I can translate this even though, you know, I'm not a man and I just love science, Catherine is like, I see that gleam in your eye. I don't know about this. Yeah. And I think that's a really like fun. I don't know. I think that's a really cool part of Catherine's journey is like realizing that it wasn't science that was bad because she's sort of like blaming this all on science. She's like, it wasn't science. It was just the person practicing science who was terrible. And like, it's okay to like be in the search for knowledge. Mm -hmm. And also, um, I do. This is important. Um, So Catherine's mom like collected a lot of cool shit and George made her sell most of the shit. But one of the things that she has kept from her mom is this fun little tea set with lizards on the handles and like all these like fun little animals. (laughs) And it's like constantly like this tea set just pops up constantly throughout the book. I do love a lizard tea set. I really love it. And I would like a little teacup with a lizard for the handle. Definitely. (laughs) Lizards, dinosaurs, anything along that line I feel like would be really cool. Um, Um, Yeah. So Lucy shows up at Catherine's London house. She comes like with her luggage. Like she is not intending to take no for an answer. Um, And by something that we should say is, is Catherine is translating this for some like science society that her husband was a part of and that she basically funds the science society, but like they don't allow women. Um, And they are the ones who are trying to get this like elephant celestial body book translated. Um, And so Lucy is like, I'll just stay with like one of the members of the society. And Countess is like, bless my Regency heart. Like you can't stay with a single man. Like you have to stay with me, of course. And then Lucy, like we switched to her perspective and she's like immediately like, wow, I'm like really turned on by this like hot older (laughs) woman because Lucy's like 25 and Catherine's like 35. So there's like, there is a significant age gap. Um, But it's like, Catherine is like, oh my God, who is this like, intelligent person who I'm a little bit scared of because she reminds me of my ex-husband but also she like doesn't give a fuck about the patriarchy and the fact that she's a woman who wants to do STEM and then Lucy's (laughs) like oh my god I'm so aroused by this like cougar it's amazing (laughs) 
So Catherine allowed, agrees to let Lucy stay with her for a week until they can go to the Science Society dinner and try to convince head science guy, um, Mr. Name Holly, going to be Holly, to work for him. Um, and so that first night they like have dinner together and we find out that Lucy is definitely not over Pris, her former lover who got married. Um, because Catherine asks her, like Lucy is wearing this dress that Pris had embroidered for her. And Catherine is like, oh, it's a nice dress. Where'd you get that? And Lucy bursts into tears and runs off. Yeah. And the butler um, gives her a little handkerchief, which is just very cute. Oh, I really like all cute. the servants in their bu- this book. They're all like, they're all cool. Um, yeah, it's interesting because both – so Pris and Catherine both really like to embroider and they're both very good at it. But Catherine's better, frankly, because she's just better overall. Um, but so there's like a little bit of like a rivalry <laughs> for Catherine between like – she's like part of her motivation. She like starts to like embroider a bunch of stuff for Lucy and like part of her motivation is like making it so that Lucy never wears this dress ever again. <laughs> yeah. So that she's like, I'm going to make her a lot of cool shit so that like she doesn't like – wear any of Prue's outfits anymore. Or <laughs> yeah, so outfit. I feel like for both of them, there's like this element of like, oh, this new person that I'm into shares some characteristics with the toxic person I was previously with. Um, mm. But it's just like learning to separate those traits from the person that has them because they're not yeah. like toxic or healthy traits in and of themselves. It's yeah, because that's yeah. it's like recognizing that like these traits can exist outside of like an abusive unhealthy relationship i mean i don't know whether i would call pris abusive but she definitely sucks yeah um so so and then Catherine is like immediately like oh my god like what the fuck i made her cry and it's because she's like so used to that with george like george's like emotions being all over the place and like constantly being scared to like walk around the house when he would give her the silent treatment and stuff and she's like oh my god what did i do and the next morning, she comes to apologize to Lucy, um, and Lucy is like, "Why are you apologizing? Like, all you did was compliment my gown." And Catherine has this like brain blast moment of like, "Wait a second, maybe I'm not a hundred percent responsible for the reactions of the people around me." Yeah. <laughs> so like, I mean, it's really like sad to like realize the extent of like what Catherine had to go through. But I'm also like, oh, there's such cute little healthy like sapphic ladies like <laughs> who like are not terrible and like are just good for each other and like make each other like realize like that they are worth you know something as people <laughs> i <Yeah>. love it <laughs> yeah um and Catherine is also like lucy hangs out in the library a lot um and the library was george's domain before he died so like there are, there's several scenes in which Catherine like is going up to the library door and she's like has her hand on the doorknob and she's like trying to listen for like what's going on inside because like that's how she determined like what George's mood was and so she's constantly like catching herself doing that for Lucy and she's like wait I don't have to do that anymore and she's also constantly like this is my house like why the hell am I being so scared of people (laughs) in like my house and yeah it's just beautiful to to watch that growth definitely um somewhere around this time Catherine has a thought like she's like watching Lucy like right or something and she's like oh i wonder what those hands would feel like on me but then immediately she's like no no get back in the closet with the other thoughts like that (laughs) no she's literally like well i'm just gonna take those thoughts and put them in the drawer that i've been putting them in for like the past 20 years and i'm like Catherine, (laughs) you can come out now it's okay (laughs) so like lucy decides to start preparing a translation sample 
to show the society. Um, and Catherine is basically like, oh, no, like I have to warn her about how shitty these men can be. And she basically tells Lucy the story about like the first island she ever traveled to with George and how like the entire expedition was just like super shitty to the islanders and like ruined their like altar and like killed them with diseases. And I really appreciate that because you don't often see that in <laughs> historicals and especially in like Regency London romances where like they're just like, oh, no, it's fine. Like we are aristocrats and we're just not going to talk at all about how our entire fortune is based on imperialism and colonialism and slavery and all those things. And that doesn't exist in historical romance land. And yeah. Olivia Waite was like, oh, boy, does it. Guess what? <laughs> Uh, everyone's complicit. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So Catherine is like telling Lucy about this partly to illustrate like – and then she segues it into like, what, yeah, the society – the men in the society, the science society are like super harsh. Like you have to be prepared. Um, like maybe you don't want to go there and just like offer to translate this book. And, and then as soon as she says it, she like flinches in anticipation of an outburst from Lucy because that's what George would do whenever she doubted him at all. And then Lucy reacts like a normal person and is like, oh, thanks for telling me that, but I still want to try. And Catherine is just like shook. She's like, oh my gosh. Like, Yeah. And what? Lucy, we like get into Lucy's perspective afterward and Lucy like immediately figures out like what's going mm -hmm. on. She's like, oh, okay. So her ex-husband was a total dick. And now mm -hmm. my mission in life, in addition to translating this science work, is also to bring this like hot potential sapphic countess out of her shell. Um, and I – Really, so for also, I I, I want to say that like Lucy specifically wants to make the translation accessible to everybody. Like she doesn't just want to do like a strict like scientific translation. She wants to make it like so that people who don't have a scientific background would be able to like read it and understand which going what what is going on, which I really appreciate. Um, I also really like the sort of like the role reversal in terms of like their relationship. Um, and like traditional historical romance because I feel like historical romance is very very often like the hot titled man who's like a little bit older and like the woman in like her late teens early 20s and like she's an experience and he has to teach her the ways of like sexiness and love and like this is the opposite it's like the young like Lucy's sort of like the young ingenue who like knows exactly what to do with her fingers and mouth and like Catherine is like oh my god I've only had like two really shitty like sexual partners in my entire life and they've both been men <laughs> but it does bring me back to the rule that there has to be at least one person who's inexperienced in historicals almost always except for with Destiny's Surrender sure yeah. <laughs> although to be fair it is it is very it is implied very heavily I don't think it's ever specifically said but it is implied very heavily that Catherine has like masturbated and stuff so at the very least like she knows what her clitoris is is it I miss that at one point it definitely you, describes but... Catherine is like they're having like some sort of encounter and Catherine is like oh it's like so much better than like when I put my hands down there or something like mm. Maybe, Catherine's yeah. definitely masturbated. Okay, for sure. <laughs> sure. So the next day is the big society dinner. Um, Lucy wears the Pris dress again, and Catherine is jealous. Um, and so <laughs> Catherine gives Lucy um, a shawl of her own embroidery skills that she can wear over Priscilla's dress yep. to cover Priscilla's embroidery <laughs> with yep. Catherine's own embroidery. <laughs> and I just I, the battle of the like embroider of the French knots is like amazing. <laughs> yeah. The battle of the back stitching. <laughs> <laughs> so they get to the society dinner and Catherine says hi to her quote unquote aunt 
who isn't related mm-hmm. to her, but who lived at their house, at her and her mom's house for the last de- decade of Catherine's mom's life. Um, so as soon as I heard that, I'm like, oh, all right, all right. They I were see just what's best going friends on here. who lived together the, for 10 years. The bosom friends. Like, ah, oh, yes, they regularly expressed they loved each other in letters, but they were they were just friends. Like, yep. they, no, nothing <laughs> gay going on here at all. Yeah. Um, and we also meet Mr. Hawley, who is the president of society mm-hmm. and a real dick. Yep. Um, so Mr. Hawley, once the dinner's going, he gets up and he's like, all right, Tubham, we must decide who will translate the sacred manuscript. And he's like, we have two contenders. We have the bitch-ass nephew of one of our biggest contributors um, who does not look very excited about this and definitely does not speak French or know any math. However, we must consider him. And then the other contender is... um, Mr. Frampton. So Mr. Mm -hmm. Frampton is, I believe that he's supposed to be black. Um, He's definitely a man of color. Mr. Frampton is, he's chill. He's... I think his dad's like a musician, but he's a scientist slash mathematician, and he's like Mr. Holly's candidate for the translation because mm. Mr. Holly likes to like groom, not groom in the pedophile way, but like groom in like the mentor way. He likes, I just picture, so he's, he's really into carnivorous plants. And so I just picture <laughs> him as like some kind of like carnivorous, well, obviously all spiders are carnivorous, but a spider just like weaving his web and like trying to like catch as many flies in his web and make sure that like he can always pull pull the strings from the society so that like science, because he believes that like science needs to be curated and just like only progress in the direction that he wants. Um, so after he's finished announcing those two guys, Catherine is like, hello, I have another person. And he just like ignores her. And then Mr. Frampton is like, oh, Catherine has someone to suggest too. And so Mr. Holly is forced to like actually let her speak. And Lucy has brought her translation, like she's translated like the introduction or whatever. And she's brought it to the dinner to show everyone. So she has like proof. So they don't like, because she knows that they're going to like challenge her. Um, And she brings the pages there and she's like, look, I did the pages. And Mr. Holly looks at the pages and licks those puppies right on the floor and he's like i don't have time for that shit you're a dumb woman and then some of the other loser boy scientists that are also at the table who are also old white men are like are women even are their brains even developed enough to do science let's debate that (laughs) He, he goes on this whole thing and he's like yes are they smart enough to do it but the next question is is it good for them to do it (laughs) <laughs> Should we be encouraging them to leave the house? Yeah, like yeah. let's have yeah. Um, and so Mr. Holly is like, yes, yes, all right, moving on. And then Catherine, in her like first moment that we've seen, really standing up for herself, she's like, all right, well, you know what? You're not getting my half of the funds anymore, bitch. Like you needed my money, and if you're gonna treat my girl Lucy like this, who I definitely do not have romantic feelings towards, <laughs> then we are. just best friends nothing else going on yep Uh, we're leaving because you're not going to disrespect my girlfriend i'm and by that i mean girl who is a friend (laughs) in this way but some but some buddies and aunt kelmarsh aunt kelmarsh who has been forced to take notes just more examples of like sexism in the society she's just like watching from the table and she's like you go girls (laughs) she's like raises her fist in solidarity not literally but like as they as they storm out (laughs) so they leave and and lucy is naturally really upset in the carriage and Catherine like comforts her and she's like hey listen 
why don't you just translate this whole book on your own without the society's backing? I'll I'll like financially back the entire thing. We'll find a publisher. Um, we're gonna do this. Yeah. Catherine's basically like, listen, I'm rich and I'm powerful and I'm better than those losers. So um <laughs> I'm gonna sponsor you. Also, stay in my house, winky face. Yeah. <laughs> like just stay here for like six months and live with me while you while you translate. And the sexual tension in this care drive is so strong. I mean, like literally from the moment they've met, I've been going like kiss, 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 kiss. So um, so remember that um handkerchief that the butler gave Lucy. This is gonna be relevant for this little side plot. That's like honestly completely pointless, but I still don't hate it for some no, reason. No, I actually love it. I yeah. really like this side it, plot. It's not relevant at all, but I yeah. So Catherine basically sees this hand Lucy gives Catherine back the handkerchief and she's like, Can you please give this back to your butler and tell him thank you? Catherine looks at it and she's like, Wow, this is actually really nice embroidery. And she tells the butler and he's like, Oh yes, it was my daughter. She was recently hired as a maid here. And Catherine is like, Ooh. We must promote her. And so she talks to the housekeeper about promoting this housemaid named Eliza to a lady's maid so that she can put her embroidery to good work. And the housekeeper is like, oh, well, she's really new. Um, so that like might discourage the other girls because they, you know, seniority. And also it might look like nepotism because they might think that, you know, her dad, the butler, um, like that's the only reason she's getting promoted. And like yeah. on the one hand, I get that. Catherine is like triggered by that and she's like, you want to hold her back just so her dad doesn't look bad. But like also like nepotism yeah. is a real thing and like would it be fair? I guess it's like a merit slot like versus seniority No, argument. I definitely – that's the thing. Like but- on one hand, like, it's like a girl power moment for Catherine where she's like rebelling against like what people expect of her, like what's the like proper thing to do. But she like takes it a little bit too far in this case. So this is just like Catherine trying to test out her boundaries of like, okay, what does it feel like to actually stand up for myself, but like in an appropriate way, like not in a way in which I'm like, fuck all y'all, I'm gonna do whatever I want and not listen to anyone's advice from people who know better. Because her housekeeper arguably does know better about like how to like hire servants and run a household than Catherine does, because like that's her literal job. She's the <laughs> housekeeper. Um and the housekeeper also is also like it'll make my job harder because like they won't they'll be angry and they won't want to listen to me because I'm ultimately the one who like gives Eliza the position even though you've told me like she's like it's gonna fuck everything up don't do it and Catherine is like Meh, I'm an independent woman I'm gonna do whatever <laughs> I want and I pay your salary so suck it so she's training <laughs> Eliza to be Lucy's lady's maid so like Catherine's lady maid lady's maid is not getting replaced. But Lucy needs a lady's maid now that she's going to be winky face living with Catherine for the next six months. <laughs> yeah. So I think the next thing that happens is that Aunt Attleboro – is it Attleboro? Adelmarsh? Marsh Adel? Kelmar. Kelmarsh. Yes. Aunt Kelmarsh. I was like, who the fuck are you talking about? I don't remember this She's like, hey, girls, come on over. I got a surprise for you. And it turns out that she has spent like the past several years rebuying and recollecting all of Catherine's yeah. mom's collection that was sold at auction. So her mom's goal was to collect like one sample of every species on earth, which like seems kind of creepy. Like it's kind of like a, a taxidermy type situation, but also I love it. Yeah, the impulse. <laughs> so it from from Aunt Kelmarsh is is really sweet, and we get confirmation that Aunt Kelmarsh and Catherine's mom yeah. were not indeed just friends; they were lovers. Yeah. And so, Catherine is so, like brain blast. 
Yeah. <laughs> um, so yeah, Aunt Calmarsh and Catherine are really close. Um, they corresponded throughout her entire marriage for George, but they had to write in code because mm-hmm. George would read all Catherine's letters. Um, because allegedly, because like most of the correspondence was for him. So he just like wouldn't check the address. And so Catherine was like, I keep getting the letters and they're opened and I don't trust that he's not going to read my outgoing letters too. So they had to talk in like flower code. Mm -hmm. And then (laughs) when George died, (laughs) Catherine just sends a letter to Aunt Calmarsh and it's just like, George is dead. XOXO, Catherine. And then Aunt Calmarsh (laughs) sends a letter that's just like, good, underline, 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 XOXO, Aunt Calmarsh. And And I'm like, I love it. Yeah. Somewhere around this point, I began to be like, did George die of natural causes? Like, were we ever told? Did Catherine, like, you know, slip a little? She definitely knows something about poisonous plants. And then I was like, you know what? Maybe he's not even dead. Maybe she just, like, pulled a, like, uh, Black Pearl, like, Pirates of the Caribbean moment, and he's just, like, on some run running island, like, watching her ship fade into the distance. That was, like, what I wanted to happen. Maybe it was a bear (laughs) that took him out. How appropriate. And Catherine just stands off in the distance like with her rifle and she just like makes the very conscious decision not to kill the bear. Exactly. The bear like the man in the article no. had a firearm no, but, but chose not to use it. <laughs> She's like the bear is worth more than George St. Day. No, but yeah. George not George had like caught some sort of like ex- disease or something. Like that's what it is. It is stated how George dies later on in the book. Like George caught an illness or whatever um, and hopefully died a very long and drawn out and painful death. Like the little I just, bitch like, that he is. In my like headcanon version of this, like Catherine puts something that she knows is poisonous in his tea and then he dies. And then they question they question her and she's like, oh well, I'm not a botanist, like you've all been telling me all these years. I didn't know. <laughs> me thought it was a simple chamomile. And they're like, Oh yes, of course. <laughs> like, this is silly woman. She wouldn't have the intention. Yeah. <laughs> uh headcanon accepted. <laughs> I really like that. So <laughs> um, yeah, they go to Aunt Shalmar and El- Aunt Kelmarsh. She has a garden, and it's a lesbian shell palace. Um, she has been she has taken back all the shells from Catherine's mom, and she's like put them all and like decorated her garden and made this like cute little palace. And yeah, Catherine is suddenly realizing like, and they were roommates. Like, <laughs> <laughs> they lived together. <laughs> oh my god! Like Aunt Kelmarsh was there for like my whole childhood, and. My mom and her were, like, really close and, like, constantly taking walks around the grounds and constantly, like, giggling by the fire at night. And, and like, like, oh, my God, in the wake of my queer awakening for Lucy, like, this suddenly means something very, very different. And Lucy is obviously, like, immediately figures it out. Immediately yeah. she's like, oh, yeah, like, you must have loved her a lot. Winky face. Like, mm-hmm. Like, sounds like you guys were <laughs> super close. And Catherine just has, like queer panic she's like what the fuck (laughs) well Catherine is like this is opening up a whole new world I didn't realize this was possible and her next thought of course is like how do I woo Lucy without potentially scaring her away she's like very (laughs) respectful she's like I don't want to make it awkward for her like I recognize the power dynamic that she's a guest in my house and I'm like funding her research so how do I woo her like put out little tendrils and let her step away if she wants to and she's like of course the solution I must make her a galaxy shawl (laughs) 
she makes her like I'm picturing just like a modern galaxy pattern. Like at first I thought it was a dress, which would have been ten times cooler. No, she is. She makes her a bunch of embroidery outfits. She literally sits down and sketches out like ten different dresses, embroidery dresses for Lucy, but then she as actually, well as a shawl and as well yeah. as a bunch of other outfits. And it's like Catherine is like my seduction technique will be embroidery and listener it works <laughs> i'm here to tell you that it it works meanwhile while catherine is having this oh my god how do i seduce lucy like panic lucy's sitting over here like oh my god she's so fucking hot like catherine is so hot like i'm literally writing this book for her like i really want to make out with her but i don't want to scare her away and then catherine <laughs> is just like sitting there with her little embroidery and I wrote down this quote because I think it's very cute but also like funny it's she says stitch after stitch after stitch as is as if each one were mending a tear in Lucy's heart <laughs> to Aww. help her get over Pris and get under <laughs> Catherine <laughs> and so finally this all comes to a head and they kiss and Lucy asks first she's like yeah yeah she's like is it okay if I kiss you and Catherine is and- like yes please yeah yes yes thank you (laughs) and then they go up they go upstairs yeah because Catherine gives her the scarf and is like um yeah the shawl okay (laughs) is there a difference between a scarf and a shawl I think a shawl is like like bigger like wider generally like wraps around your shoulders whereas like a scarf is like I don't know maybe not I guess I don't know anyway um yeah Lucy gets the the shawl and is like oh I see how the the good old lesbian embroidery seduction technique a classic move like i see what's going on here (laughs) they make out and then they go upstairs to Catherine's room and Catherine starts to freeze up a little bit because what we learned um through Catherine's internal monologue and then eventually she does tell lucy is that after george Catherine did have like another um romantic partner she had an affair with a guy for like a year um and he was abusive but he was into sadomasochism like not the sadomasochism wasn't the abusive part it was just the fact that he like didn't get explicit like Catherine was like consensual quote-unquote but like not really like she was very much like it was basically like the opposite of George she was just like relishing in that lack of control and they broke up because he proposed marriage and Catherine was like oh my god I cannot marry anyone ever again absolutely not I can't have that and so that's part of the reason that she's like really into this relationship with Lucy in the beginning because she's like oh I can have this relationship and there's no possibility that we can ever get married um but obviously, as Catherine starts to realize that not all romantic relationships are terrible and unhealthy, she's like, oh, I kind of wish that we could get married <laughs> Yeah. later on. But yeah. right now, she's like, I'm a single lady and I'm having sex and it's great. Yep. Except they don't have sex this time, which is very I- cute. Like, they're making out and Catherine yeah. starts getting comfortable. Um, and Lucy, like, is like, oh, do you want to stop? And Catherine is like, oh, my God, I like the concept of stopping <laughs> never occurred to yeah. me that like this would be something that like I was allowed to say and Kath- and Lucy is like well yeah duh like it should be exciting and like comfortable and good for both of us and if it's not then like we should stop and like until you are comfortable with it and Catherine again has like a brain blast like she just like cannot fathom that like someone would have this approach to sex <laughs> and like be respectful of her as a person and not just like a sexual object yeah so yeah so it takes like a few is it like weeks like how much time passes it's like a um, week like every like night slow 
they yeah. make out every night and they like slowly like undress. They slowly just like take off more clothes until eventually they're naked and we have the first sex scene. Um, and it's very cute and lovely. Yeah. And they make and- each other come. Very sexually satisfying, very consensual, very communicative. <laughs> the three C's of sexiness. <laughs> and then the next morning, naturally, uh, Catherine's maid walks in on them classic but yeah. her first her first thought is like oh well it's not the first time the servants have had to keep secrets after all <laughs> the only reason i agreed to go on so many voyages with george was to like keep his number of victims to a minimum because when he couldn't yell at me he would like yell at the servants and oh like he God. wouldn't dare to do that on a ship <laughs> so yeah yeah so um, the maid walks in on them naked in bed <laughs> yeah and Catherine is like fuck and the maid yeah. is like i didn't see i what? Like, I didn't see anything. What are you talking <laughs> yeah. about? And so later on, Catherine has like a conversation about this with her maid and the whole nepotism thing comes to a head because this poor lady's maid thinks she's getting fired and like replaced because Catherine has seen fit to promote this like very new housemaid to lady's maid. Also because Catherine has been like dismissing her for the night and like not mm. using her services to like undress because obviously Lucy is undressing her. Yeah. And so the maid thinks that she's going to get fired because she, she thinks she's going to be like replaced. There's also like a racism element in here mm. because the maid is a, a woman of color. It's said that she has like darker skin and that she's like, yeah, my sister warned me that if they start bringing in um, like younger lighter skinned maids that I should like be worried and obviously Eliza is a white woman and Catherine tries to like sort of pay her more um to like ostensibly make up for not like I guess her sisters the woman that her sister that the maid sister works for like would give her secondhand clothes to like supplement her income that she could then resell at secondhand shops but Catherine doesn't go out a lot so she hasn't like had any secondhand clothes to give her maids so she's like oh like I can supplement your salary I can just pay you more and the maid's like She's like, you don't have to buy my silence, like, which is like good, like ride or die servants, but also like charge. I don't know if I had like a time machine, I'd go back and tell them like charge yeah. the aristocracy <laughs> for every set. Like you can be a good person and still want to be paid well. Those are not mutually, mutually exclusive things. <laughs> money is not evil. Like, yes, money does not buy happiness, but it's a lot easier to cry in a nice comfy bed than on the floor. <laughs> Just saying. <laughs> So, okay, so the next thing that happens is that Lucy and Catherine are off to this, like, science society talk. So they go to Mr. Edward's talk. Mr. Edward is the hotshot, like, hot boy scientist who's also kind of cool. Yeah, I don't think he matters. I just like – I just like – I imagine him as, like, standing up on stage and, like – I don't know, somehow shooting like lightning bolts out of his fingers and just be like, pew, 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 science. And then like slicking his hair back and be like, yeah, and then all the ladies swoon, which is like, I feel like essentially how he's described. Um, and then afterwards, they have tea with a disgr- the disgruntled Mr. Frampton, who, if we remember, that was the dude that the Science Society president, Mr. Hawley, wanted to translate the book. However, Mr. Hawley made it so that he had to team up with that, like, bitch-ass nephew who was, who was just, like, super incompetent. We learned that Mr. Frampton has ditched the bitch-ass nephew because he's yeah. so incompetent um, and basically is, like – talking to Lucy about potentially joining her, but also about how he has this great idea for basically what sounds like a calculator. Like he wants to invent a Which calculator. Which is historically yeah. so. The woman who invented the original cal- yeah. calculator was, oh, was it Ada Lovelace? It was, I'm pretty sure Lord Byron's daughter. I think it was Ada Lovelace. And she was around in like the 1830s. So this isn't like too far off. Like this, this idea was definitely like bumping around at this time of like, uh, like primitive calculator. Um, so yeah, he wants to invent mm-hmm. a calculator slash computer, basically. Um, and 
he has left. He's like debating whether he even wants to enter into the society because he's like, I don't know, it doesn't seem like that useful. And Mr. Holly kind of sucks. And like, bitch ass incompetent nephew mm. is like incompetent and like I don't want to deal with him and oh they they had a disagreement like the nephew wanted to translate something mm-hmm. he wanted to do the whole book in like Newtonian physics because Newtonian is British like, like a worse notation it was yeah, no- notation. he wanted to yeah. use Newtonians whatever um because Newton New- Newton <laughs> Newton was English and like he's the end all be all like according to bitch ass nephew and Mr. Frampton is like um no I think that we should use like a blend of things because like that's what the French author uses and like this won't make sense if we only use Newton and um obviously because bitch ass nephew's uncle is funding this now that Catherine is no longer funding it bitch ass nephew gets his way yes um and in case you were wondering I'm pretty sure in the modern day Almost no one uses Leibniz notation. <laughs> um, they use Leibniz notation. So yes, this is historically accurate. Um, we we get and we basically just like are getting more and more breadcrumbs of like what is Mr. Holly's character. I mean, I guess we like already knew from yeah. his treatment of Lucy and Catherine at the dinner at how shitty he was. But basically, his entire mo is just like not really caring about like the best science possible, but basically just caring about keeping his own control. And, like, being the one who gets to select who gets to move forward in the field um, and who gets the most funding. Um, He he loves to, like, pit people against each other. He loves to, like, talk badly about, like, one society member to another society member in order to, like, curry favor. Which we'll see later. Um, But first, let's go to the art museum exhibit. Indeed. Time to go hang out with stupid Stephen and his artist friends. Up until this point, Steven has been fucking around in the country with his art buddies, which honestly, like, sounds amazing. Like, I would please if anyone has a country house and would like to invite me there to Ex- just, like – Except if you're using up all okay, of yes. your family income. Steven's a dick, but I'm just saying, like, in the abstract, <laughs> if anyone has a country house and would yeah. like to invite me to go live there for a month and, like, be creative and not really have to, like, do anything else responsibility-wise, I will absolutely take you up on that offer, no questions asked. Um, so that's what Steven's been doing. He's been fucking around with his art friends in the country. Um, and now he has come to London for the art exhibition. Lucy and Catherine are going on a cute date. And they find Steven and his loser boy art friends all debating over this picture of poster boy of imperialism, Lord Elgin, at the Parthenon, ready to steal all the Elgin's marbles and bring them back to the British Museum. And this was, this seems just really fucking dumb. So they're debating whether the painting is done at sunrise or sunset, okay? And they're just like going back and forth for 10 minutes. And Catherine has to step in and she's like, it's definitely sunrise. And they're like, how do you know? And she's like, well, I've been there and I've seen it, so I know. And they're like, wow. However, couldn't – I mean, I know this is like 1816, but wouldn't you still know like the cardinal orientation – of the fucking no. Parthenon? Like, isn't that something that could be pretty easy to find out? And then you just know sunrise no. in the east, that's in the not west. Necessarily. What? No, no. You just look at a map of Greece and you're like, oh. No. What? Why? Were there no maps? Well, first of all, that wouldn't be easily accessible information that people would just have on hand. Second of all, for second rich of artist all, boys. Rich artist boys don't have time for historical research. Like they don't literally <laughs> have time for inspiration. Anyway, I think this is I think this is just supposed to like <laughs> Because there's this whole thing about, like, there's on one hand the whole theme of, like, who gets to practice science and, like, what is science? And there's also, like, 
who gets to practice art and like what is considered art and what is considered worth it. And like both of the lessons they have to learn is that like you're an artist. Yeah. You like you're art. a scientist if you do That's science. It. And like one of the things <laughs> Catherine comes to later on is that she's like, it's not like she's like, yes, science is noble. But like just because you are a scientist doesn't mean you're noble and doesn't mean you're a good person. So like I she was like, I always assumed that like George and like all these other dickheads like knew something I didn't or felt something I didn't. And it's just it turns out that like, no, they were just like talking out of their asses and like they did it well enough that I believe yep. them. And so this is also that, but like with art, where it's just these like loser boy artists talking out of their asses about like nonsense, like easily verifiable nonsense, (laughs) not even like, oh, why did he use the shade of red? But like, no, like just whatever. And how like Catherine still feels um, she she feels inadequate. She doesn't feel like her embroidery is art. She doesn't feel like she is an artist because she's not a painter because she's not like chatting around like talking about this art stuff she can only contribute like this one thing to the conversation because like she's been there but like she can't actually engage in like quote-unquote artistic discussion and so like part of the journey is like her learning to be like yeah I'm an artist yeah I feel like yeah I relate to this a lot like I feel like I've historically been very susceptible to that line of thinking like oh everyone else says this is hard so it must be like really hard and I should just like not try it um I feel like, yeah, I feel like that's something that's really hard to get over. Yeah. Um, because every time I think I've like figured it out and I'm going to stop believing it, the next thing comes along and I'm like immediately just like, oh, yes, this yeah. must be true. Just because every, everyone else is like yeah. talking it up so much, it must be so much work. It's like, all right. Yeah. It's just like, it's just hard to know if you, yeah. Yeah. Like it's hard to remember that like basically everyone is like fudging it a little bit. Like everybody is like just winging it. And, like, nobody really knows what they're doing. And yeah. it's, like, hard to remember yeah. that. Um, meanwhile, Lucy is, like, I am a woman with science. And I don't know shit about art. And I don't even have travel experience to contribute to this conversation. <laughs> so I'm going to go leave and hang out with my gay friend, Mr. Violet. Um, and they have cute little queer yep. banter. Mr. Violet is also an artist. But he's, like, chill. And they're just, like, hanging out. Um, and then Catherine is talking to dick boy Stephen. And Stephen is, like, oh, I hope... Mr. Violet and Lucy get married and Catherine obviously gets very upset by this. She's just like across the room like like watching them there. like what yeah. appears to be flirting but really yeah. it was just like friendly like banter. Um so yeah. Catherine goes out. Catherine meets Mrs. Griffin. Mrs. Griffin is also she's doing like really like fast and like very faithful recreations of all the like famous art in the place so that she can sell it at her print shop that she runs with her husband. And yeah. then Lucy comes out, like, meets Mrs. Griffin, and, like, they all become, like, business partners um, because because Catherine is like, oh, hey, we have a book, um, and you own a print shop. Can we discuss you printing mm-hmm. Lucy's book? And Mrs. Griffin is like, yeah, sure. Like, sounds good. Come on over, like, later in the yeah. week, and, like, we'll all have a <laughs> chat about it. And so they do. They do do that. I don't know if anything big happens except, like, Catherine talking over terms and Lucy being like, oh, so she can talk about money. Um, so, okay, back to Eliza. Now we get back to Eliza. It turns out that nepotism girl is not actually that good at being a housemaid. Um, a lady's maid, a lady's maid, sorry, a lady's maid. And so Lucy, like, sees this and she sees her, like, book of sketches and she, she remembers that Mrs. Griffith, the printer, was, like, looking for an apprentice. Um, and so she's like, oh, I have a great idea. And she goes to Catherine and she's like, hey, why don't we, like, recommend Eliza for this job as the apprentice, like, 
I think she would be a lot better at it and it wouldn't cause all this strife in the house that's resulted from you unduly promoting her. Um, and Catherine, of course, immediately, immediately thinks like, oh, well, of course, Eliza would want to go to the printer and draw and do real art instead of embroidery. I can't hold her back from this. Um, yeah, Catherine is just like constantly thinking how like, quote unquote, beautiful and useless she it's really is. Sad. It's like really sad. And yeah. Lucy's constantly is like, um, you are beautiful, but you're very useful too. And Catherine is like, no, I'm not. And Lucy is like, yes, you are. Um, so it's time for Mr. Holly to come crawling back like out of the, the sludge. Sluggy so Mr. Holly, aka Science Society president guy, writes Lucy a letter to and asks her to come to dinner with him to quote unquote mend the breach. Um, and when she gets there, he's like, sorry, I shut you down like at the dinner. I just want to make it clear that I did know that you could do the science. However, I was just afraid that the loser nephew was going to sexually harass you. So that's the reason yeah. I shut you down. It was for yeah. your own protection. Um, and Lucy is like, um, that sounds fake. Also, I don't hear an apology. <laughs> Mr. Dickbag. And yes. Mr. Holly is like, I don't I don't have anything to apologize for that. And in Lucy, he expects Lucy to be like, I know this and I love you. And instead, Lucy is like, suck on your Venus fly traps, you big fat dick. I hope <laughs> they eat your dick, your tiny little small dick energy. <laughs> so naturally, like a second later, we find out why he's putting on this little show. It turns out the dummy nephew is not doing well. The entire project is to put it lightly, <laughs> crashing and burning. And he wants her back. And he's like, oh, if you come back, like, I could be your mentor. Um, you know, you could, like, help with this. You'd be doing, like, a great service to, to science. And she's like, well, I already have a mentor, um, Catherine. And this is where he brings in his little, like, always talking shit on people. He's like, well, Catherine's dumb. And because her mom made sure her money stayed in her control – Poor George couldn't spend it on whatever he wanted. And that yeah. is just like the last Lucy sees right Lucy. through that. And she also has the brain blast where she's like, oh, so like not only was George a dick, but he was a predatory dick. She's like, it must have been so easy when Catherine yeah. was like mourning her mom. Like, here is this like rich heiress and he's going to seduce her and like thinking he's going to get her money. And then when he didn't get her money, like that's when he became abusive. Lucy asked Mr. Holly, she's like, okay, so like would my name be on your translation? And he's like, well, and she's like, and would I get a higher percentage of the royalties than Dick Bag Nephew or, or any, any percentage? percentage? And he's like, well, yeah. and she's like, would I get admitted into the society even though you don't admit women? And he was like, I'll consider it. And she's like, fuck you and fuck the house, fuck yeah. the broom you flew in on. <laughs> yep. And she storms out of there. So Lucy just goes back and she's like, you know what? I'm going to put my head down and write this fucking book. And she she writes it. It hits shelves. It's a super success. So at this point, I'm sitting here and I'm like, all right, they've said I love you. Lucy's book is a success. What else is going to happen in this book? Is George going to come back from the dead? This is where I had the thought of like, was George <laughs> abandoned on an island and he's about to like cut back into the picture? Unfortunately <laughs> or fortunately not. Um, yeah, Lucy has the mega success. They have a little ladies book club too. And the ladies are like, we couldn't find your book. Oh, yeah. It was all sold out all over town. And they're like, oh my gosh. Um, and yeah, we're like, what could possibly 
ruin this perfect happy ending. And then you remember, hang on, there are a lot of men in this book. And wherever wherever there are men, (laughs) there is chaos and tragedy. So Lucy and Catherine, Lucy now has like some money because she's getting some royalties. Um, And because Catherine Mm -hmm. negotiated for her to have very high royalties because she's a businesswoman. Um, They go on an empowering Mm -hmm. shopping day. They have like a great day buying on new dresses that Catherine is going to embroider for Lucy because she's still seducing her. And then they're walking down the street and they see a painting and it's a painting of Lucy, except that she's like, like bimbo fied basically. Like it's like Lucy, Mm -hmm. it's like Regency playboy with a telescope. And it's like, basically it just outs Lucy. So Lucy had written um, with just her first initial, the translation so that no one would know she was a woman um and now this painting has outed her as a woman um and surprise surprise mm-hmm. who painted it stupid steven stupid steven painted it for money um he i mean most charitable interpretation is that he was just too much of a dummy to realize how much trouble this would cause um harshest is that he's just like an asshole who wanted to out her and who or who was willing to do anything for money um, you you choose, listener, <laughs> which you believe. Um, and so naturally the consequences of this are very harsh. Lucy starts getting hate mail from people, um, like negative reviews from people being like, I am shocked. I am shocked that I was forced to read a science book or any book or see a woman <laughs> in a painting. <laughs> Um, (laughs) at this point Catherine is like I'm gonna read all your mail from unknown people which is never really I mean it does come back into play like in a negative way later on but like comes back to play Catherine I don't know it was just surprising to me that Catherine like didn't realize that like that's what George did too like that it's sort of like not portrayed as much as like oh no Catherine's becoming because I was like oh no Catherine's like kind of becoming like George but like I guess it's another one of those situations Mm -hmm. in which, like, oh, this trait isn't inherently toxic. Like, it's okay for Catherine to be like, I'm going to screen your hate mail so you're not reading your death threats on a normal basis versus, like, George reading all her correspondence with her beloved pseudo-aunt. Yeah, for sure. And, like, pretending it's because he couldn't, like – he could read the letter, but he couldn't read the yeah. address on the front and see yeah. who it was for. Yeah. So because of all this like hate mail Lucy's getting, Lucy is like, you know what? I just want to get away from the city. Um, how would you feel about going back and hanging out at my house in the country yeah. on the coast? And they have a like, little beach sure. holiday. <laughs> and so off they putz. Yeah. Um, and oh, oh. And so I really like this reference. They're like walking along the coast and they find some like ammonites or like, you know, little fossils. And there's, like, an aside where they're talking about, like, oh, yeah, remember that girl down the coast a few years ago who found this, like, giant lizard snake thing and no one knew what it was? And that just reminded me of – remember that book that we read that I've, I've tried to find on the internet? I don't know if anyone else has, like, heard of this book, but it's, like, allegedly where the poem sea, she, she Sells Seashells by the Seashore came from. And the entire book is about, like, this girl who finds, like, a, a dinosaur fossil. And it's – specifically, I just remember it was, like, the eyes were as big as dinner oh. saucers. Yeah, I have no idea what it is, but I vaguely I the dinner saucers thing is like sticking out to me. <laughs> I think it might have been like the first complete fossil yeah. of some kind of There's dinosaur. There's so many fucking dinosaurs in this part of England. Like it's literally called I'm pretty sure it's called like the Jurassic Coast or something because there's just so many fucking dinosaurs. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. So Catherine is like doing her cute little shell collecting and Lucy's like oh you're so cute with your little shell collecting um and then they're walking back up the cliff and they get to the top of the cliff and who do they see but 
bitch pris the bitch and her nice her very nice husband harry who's unfortunately a straight man married to a lesbian unknowingly um and yep. they have a great interaction between Catherine and pris and i wrote down <laughs> this quote where they shake hands and it's described as two gloved hands gripping tight on the edge of a sheer cliff and that was just such <laughs> like a, literally, I mean, literally yeah. happening but such a mental image of like Catherine that like completing that line where Catherine like grabs Pris's hand and then just yeets her off the cliff <laughs> just throws her like like a shot put <laughs> and I was like yeah. go 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 oh but unfortunately God. Pris remains on the ground and not dead <laughs> yeah yep and Harry's like, oh, y'all should come out around for dinner sometime. And Catherine is like reading the room and she's like, oh, maybe not today. Like, sorry, we're tired. But they do get roped into coming for dinner like the next night yes. or something. And it's like a very cordial evening. Um, like, I think, I mean, Harry and Catherine are talking at one point and Harry's basically like, oh, yeah, like, I can I think tell. Harry, it's implied that yeah, like, like Harry I, kind of knows that Pris is like not, like Harry's in love. Or at least that, that Harry's Lucy. in love with Pris. And he, it's, it's, I feel very bad for Harry because, like, this sucks. Like, you, like, nobody, like, I, on one hand, like, yes, I do feel poor. I do feel bad for Pris because she's in this, like, situation of being a woman in Regency England who doesn't have much choice outside of marriage. But I still feel very bad for Harry because, like, Lucy's very explicitly, like, yeah, Harry's, like, a really nice guy. And, like, he doesn't deserve yeah. to be in what's essentially a loveless marriage. And, like, he kind of knows it. It's implied yes. that like, we don't know exactly the extent to what he knows, but it's implied that he, like, kind of understands that, like, Pris is, like, not totally straight. I feel like he understands that Lucy was, like, in love with Pris. I don't know, like, how much he knows about Pris's feelings. Like, he know he's, like, yeah, it's, like, it was probably good for Lucy that she, like, yeah. left town right like, he's, after the he's wedding. He's described as, like, being um, a little bit sad, but, like, specifically sad yeah. about something in relation to Pris. So I think he kind of, like – feels that they had some sort of relationship that was more than friendship. And yeah, I don't know. Mm -hmm. I don't think Harry like knows everything, but I think he like kind of has the sense that something's off. Um, and I feel very bad for him. Mm -hmm. Poor Harry. He deserves better. Yeah. Maybe Pris will die and then we'll have a hot Lucy. widow romance or widower romance oh. with Harry. <laughs> Harry no. Eliza. No, no. <laughs> yeah. So Lucy and Pris for their part have like a pretty fun like catch up kind of mostly just like as old friends at least on lucy's part like she's like you know very much i think at this point like she's like i'm over pris i am moved on to Catherine. i wish pris nothing but the best she did treat me shittily but i'm like yeah. ready to move on and then they have yeah. it's finally a clear sky and dumbass steven hasn't gotten around to selling the telescope um so they have a cute little star watching date they being lucy and Catherine, they've like left Chris and Harry behind, yeah. Yeah, they have a cute little star watching date. And um Lucy gets like Catherine, like teaches Catherine how to do it. And Catherine's like, oh wow, like this is like actually like not that hard. Like it's tedious and it's a lot of work, but like it's like pretty accessible. And like you made it accessible. And that's when Catherine has her sort of brain blast of like, oh, like science is not some like wild, like noble pursuit of inspiration. Like it's just work. It's just like a bunch of calculations and like yeah. theorizing and like doing experiments and like it is not something like that requires some like higher mind that like I'm not capable of like I am capable of science and it's great and mm -hmm. then we trans we transition from sapphic scientists to sexy sapphic scientists 
who have a little dirty <laughs> talk scene in which Lucy has to tell Catherine exactly what she wants. And I love these scenes. <laughs> I love when they happen. I love <laughs> I love it. I personally would be so incredibly uncomfortable if my partner tried to get me to do this. But I like reading about them. They have hot sex. Yeah. Uh, yeah. They have hot sex. And then they're lying on Lucy's bed. And they look up into her canopy. And Lucy, it's like childhood Lucy's embroidery of she tried to do like the night yeah. sky but it's so bad and you can't tell what it is and she like she had she tried yeah constellations yeah she tried to do the constellations yeah. and Catherine is like um because like her her like governess or whatever was like maybe you'll try more an embroidery if you're doing something that you're interested in like the night sky and then yeah. Lucy and then Catherine is like um oh like it seems like you tried really hard at this. And Lucy's like, really? Like, it looks like shit. And she's like, yeah, of course. Like, you tried really hard. And like, I bet like someone made you feel like bad about it. And that's why you've like hidden it up here where only you can see. And Lucy's like, yeah, like I used to have it downstairs. And then Steven and his friends like made fun of it for a whole <laughs> afternoon. <laughs> and so I moved oh, it up here. Yeah. And I was like, Steven, you are dropping points by the minute. Like, terrible. Hate you. Yeah. In this same, like, this gets Lucy thinking back to, like, when her and Steven were kids and, like, they he wasn't an asshole. Like, first, like, their dad, the first thing he tried to do was have Steven have, like, a tutor to teach him science and have Lucy have her governess teach her art. And then – but, like, they were, like, sneaking each other into their lessons because they each wanted to learn the other thing. And so finally her dad was like, ha, 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 okay, you can both learn both subjects. But then – so Steven was, like, chill back then. They were, like, friends. But then Steven went off to school – and became an asshole. And Lucy's like, yeah, I guess like that's kind of like why I, I just like took my being bad at embroidery as like, oh, I must be bad at art. And it's like obviously an either or thing. Like you can yeah. only do science or art. So I guess that just means I'm a scientist. Yeah. And I mean, Lucy is a never point. Yeah. At never at no point is she necessarily like, oh, I feel very sad about the fact that I never got the chance to pursue art. But it is like it's a nice acknowledgement. Right. The same way where Catherine is sort of having that journey of realizing that like art is not this like mm -hmm. stringently defined thing and science are not the stringently defined thing like Lucy's sort of realizing that as a well so like anyone can do it like if you do it then like you're an artist like congratulations like right. if I were to sit down and paint a picture right now like woohoo I'm an artist so Lucy convinces Catherine that she should make like a book of embroidery patterns and print it at the printer um like maybe some botany yeah. patterns and Catherine agrees. Um, and then they go back to London. It's time for them to go back to London. And bitch boy Stephen has come to grovel. And it's actually nice. yep. like he understands. <laughs> I mean, he apologizes. It's I don't necessarily believe that he's fully changed, but he does give a nice apology. Yeah. And Lucy is like, you're my brother. And like, whatever. Like, there are still some people yeah, who are he's... sending me nice letters. So like, what's done is right. done. Well, he's like, he's like, oh, I, I had no idea it would have such a negative impact on you. And I kind of get that. But then he's also like, yeah, you know, I kind of feel like since dad died, it's been my job to take care of you. And she's like, oh, I do see that he like seems a lot more worried, like worry lines yeah. around his face. And he's like, and like maybe I was a little bit jealous that you were suddenly like so successful. So I'm like, which is it, Stephen? Like, is it that you just like care about her? And like, why do you need to provide for her more money if she's already making her own money? I feel like, like it's like Stephen feels this like crushing because like the patriarchy ha can have a negative effect on men, ladies and gentlemen, um, where Stephen has this sort of like crushing feeling of responsibility for like now being the head of the family. And like, he doesn't really know how to do that. Mm -hmm. And now like, but that's still like, is sort of his sense of purpose. And now that Lucy doesn't mm -hmm. really need him anymore, like, even though, like, it's better 
objectively because like he doesn't need to feel as much responsibility to provide for her he's she's still like taking away his purpose in some way so like i can see like how he would like i i I can see like how those two feelings would be able to exist simultaneously definitely yeah they have a complicated relationship like he definitely cares about her he's also super sexist i mean yeah but also like yeah i don't know i give him a pass because like if, if he yeah. were the hero, I would not give him the pass. Like, if he were the love interest, I would not. But, right. like, since he's just the, the dumb brother, I'm like, you know, like, you're still living in 1816 England and, like, we can't all be. And even mm-hmm. the feminists of the time were still, like, shitty in comparison to, like, feminism now. Right. For sure. He also warns her. He warns her about, um, like, the possibility of having a controlling slash manipulative patron. Um, he's basically like, hey, you have this lady Catherine lady now. But just be careful because a lot of patrons, like, they'll make it seem like they just want to support your art no matter what or your science, your work, no matter what. But a lot of times what they really want is to just control you. Um, And so just watch out that the money she's giving you doesn't become tied to her just completely running your life and deciding what you can and can't work on um, and who you can and can't associate with, Um, which is valuable advice. Like, I feel like he's right. And Lucy is like – I feel like his advice is right in general, but – I don't think it applies to my specific situation. To my hot lesbian lover, Catherine. But then something happens that makes her doubt everything with Catherine. Because so Catherine's still reading Lucy's mail. um, And she's just sort of like doing it like rotely. She's just like opening letters and like scanning them. So she opens a letter and she from Pris. It's from Mrs. Like, it's from Mrs. Witherby like whatever her name is, Wolchetsky like, or something. Witherby. And she doesn't – yeah, she she legitimately doesn't recognize that this is Pris until she opens it, at which point she does recognize, but she's like, oh, man, it's already open. I can't resist. And so she yeah. reads it. And it's like a pretty <laughs> – what we think is a pretty tame letter where um, – it's just Pris being like, oh, it was so nice seeing you. Like, we should catch up. Like, the next time I'm in town. Like, I'm going to be in town next week. Like, I'm gonna be, we should yeah. meet up. And, like, it seems, like, very inane. But Catherine's still obviously like, oh, my God. Like, Pris is, like, writing to Lucy and, like, wants to, like, be with Lucy again. Like, she feels threatened. And, like, so then she she feels really guilty. And then Lucy comes back. And Catherine is like, oh, my God, I'm so sorry. Like, I opened this letter by accident. But and then Lucy's like, yeah, but you didn't read it by accident. Like, you purposely read it. And Catherine's mm-hmm. like, I'm really, really sorry. And Lucy's like, warning, warning, warning. Maybe Stephen was right. Like, mm-hmm. and she's just generally upset. <laughs> yeah. um, and Catherine, oh, yeah, Catherine's like, um, Lucy's like, I need to talk. I'm going to talk to Pris because, like, I need to, like, nip this in the bud. And Catherine is like, I don't want her in my house. So you skipped over the big the big reveal, which is that the letter is nowhere near as innocuous as it seems oh, yeah. because apparently Pris had the same issue with her parents that Catherine had with George. So Pris's parents would also read her mail, and so she had to learn to speak in code. So she always writes to um, Lucy in a code where, like, the real message is the first – you know, just like a very simple – like, the f- real message is the first yeah. letter of each sentence. And it says, I still love yeah. – um, and Lucy gets yeah. really fucking pissed at this. She's like, of all the goddamn manipulative things to do, like this bitch is sending me this yeah. letter after marrying another guy and not telling me about it. And she like tears it apart and then like throws it in the fire or whatever. She wants um, to, yeah. And yeah, then Catherine's like, I don't want this woman in my house. She's like reacts sort of in yeah. anger. And Lucy is like, uh, 
well, it's a pretty sensitive conversation. Like we can't go to like the local tea shop. Like we kind of need to be in private. And Catherine is like, uh, yeah, uh, 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 of course. Okay. Uh, bye. Catherine is immediately just like, well, Lucy's leaving me for Pris. Like, of course she'll go back to Pris. Of course she loves Pris more than me. And she's just like immediately like resigning herself to this. Um, and from Lucy's perspective, she's like fucking Pris. Like I just have to like nip this in the bud. Yeah, like you said, nip this in the bud and just like shut her down in person. But that is not what Catherine But she is, I mean, she is upset at Catherine for opening her mail. She is like, she does like remember Oh yeah. And she is like, oh no, like is Catherine starting to get possessive? She's also trying to prevent me from seeing Pris. Like, is this what Stephen was talking about? So the next morning we have this like tense yet heartily delicious sounding breakfast scene. <laughs> so Lucy and Catherine are at the table and Catherine to, as like a way to procrastinate talking to Lucy. She's like loading her plate with thick slices of bread, toasted bread and like loading it on with as much butter and jam as it can hold and pound cake <laughs> and uh, more – well, this is kind of gross, but more eggs than a hen can lay <laughs> in a week. Everything was delicious up until the point that I was reminded that British people eat like – almost exclusively hard-boiled eggs. Which also, I'm pretty sure like I know that's true, kippers but. <laughs> made an appearance and kippers are also Aww. repulsive. For those of you that don't know, kippers sound like – that's a cute word. You would think kippers would be something delicious. No, kippers are dried salted fish with the fucking – uh, Yeah, but they like the eyes are still in there. The scale, it's like the full awesome. fish. And it's horrible and it's disgusting (laughs) and British people have no taste in food. I can say this. I lived there for six months and I can confirm that British people stole stole all the world's spices and then decided, nah, we're not going to use them on anything. Uh, We're just going to have bland, boiled food and giant full fish. Well, no, no, no. Back to the – wait. Sorry. This is also very much tangent. How, and I, I have not independently fact-checked this, but this just like triggered a memory of like some TikTok I saw months ago that I, – I, again, this could be completely false, but it, it sounds right. It's, a, it's like a historical conspiracy theory or possibly historical fact. <laughs> anyway, disclaimer aside, apparently what happened is that – so yeah, they were like shipping in spices from everywhere else. And at first, the spices were really expensive, so only the rich people could have them. So they were like oh, yeah, associated yeah. with being rich. But then they got cheaper and cheaper and eventually like Susie Joe and – Jerry next door, like everyone could afford them. Um, and so of course, what would were the rich people to do but to become exclusive again? But they just like invented phrases like, This steak is so good, all it needs is a little bit of salt and pepper. That's how we got that terrible heritage Nonsense. that we have today. I still think British people like don't have taste buds <laughs> because of some of the shit that they eat. Um, like bacon, gross. It's just ham, it's just flat, floppy ham. Everyone no, no, likes bacon. That, that was bacon, the wrong choice. Their bacon is not bacon. bacon. It's just – it's not oh. cooked. Like it's cooked like to the amount that you have to cook ham in order to make it not poisonous. Everything is steamed. But it's like not boiled. crispy. It's just floppy and fatty. <laughs> like the, the benefit of bacon yeah. fat is that it like makes it like crispy and like delicious when it melts. But they don't do it. They just – I ordered bacon. I ordered an English breakfast once and I got the bacon and I was like, what the fuck? I was like – is the pig outside? Is it just Canadian? Wait, no, because Canadian bacon is like those round cuts it's of the ham. round shit. This British yeah. bacon is in the shape of bacon. It could be turned into oh. bacon if it were cooked. And also, it's sliced, I think, a little bit thicker. But like, it could, it has the potential to be good bacon. Instead, they yeah. just don't cook it. <laughs> they just don't cook it enough. And I'm like, what is this? This is sad. This is mushy just- and and like rubbery and horrible. 
just more reasons to not eat meat at all. Don't subject yeah. yourself well, to crispy that. crispy bacon. People. It's really good. Leave the meat eating no. to bears. <laughs> bears. Except for you. Except for human meat. Don't let bears yeah, eat human exactly. meat. Exactly. <laughs> anyway, the big day has arrived. Lucy, on one hand, is meeting Pris. But first, we get Catherine, who is going to sell her embroidery prints. And she has a great girl power moment. And Mrs. Griffin is like, these are really good. And she flips over to these, like, cool, like, like, like oh, yeah. fashion couture awesome. dresses yeah. like that Catherine's it's designed. like this like seafoam like lacy dress with like um like wood looking like yeah. collar and like waist this is thing like this is really what i'm cool. saying like i want like an illustrated companion book because like, i want to see what all of these things like look like because i am very yeah. bad at visualizing things that are described to me in words oh i feel like i can visualize I can describe this it, i don't know i feel like i yeah. i want an illustrated olivia wait i you have two buyers right here <laughs> of uh illustrated <laughs> companion to the ladies guide <laughs> Um, so yeah, Catherine has like a she's moment. She's selling her prints, and it's great. Um, and but she also has this moment where she's like, "Oh my god, like I've wasted my youth. Like I just wasted my youth on George, and like not standing up for myself, and not doing what I wanted to do." And I'm like, "Girl, you're 35. <laughs> like, you're I know. She's just like constantly old. referred to as like a as like a matron. Like when they go to that ladies' yeah. book club, Lucy's like, yeah, there's plenty of other matronly yeah. women. Like I mean, Catherine. listen, I get <laughs> it. Like this is Regency England. So like, yes, like they all thought that like women started to wither on the vine at the age of like 18. But like, I'm still like, Catherine, you have like, you got like 50 years left at least. <laughs> like you're okay. Maybe. Yeah. Um, what? Yes, she because she's rich so, and she doesn't have to bear children. So her life expectancy is through yeah. the roof. Um. On the other hand, Lucy is meeting with Pris, and the butler is yep. on Catherine's side. I love the servant. Yeah. Well, there. So we <laughs> we learned about this before. Catherine has like two parlors slash salons that like people can be met in, and she has her own personal nice little sunny one in the back that's smaller, and then she has the blue one at the front of the house, and it's cold and it's formal and it's not welcoming, and Lucy intends to meet. Pris in the nice one but then when the butler comes to get her he's like I put her in the blue room and Lucy's like I know mm-hmm. I see the way the wind is blowing like I I I'm yep. interpreting the message like received and understood <laughs> yep yep um and so yeah so they come in and Pris is just like well I want you back are you ready to be back with me of course I know I know you only came to London to sulk, and I hope I know I hope that my apology will allay your wounded pride. Um, but it's time for us to be together again. And Lucy's like, "Uh, bitch! Like you're assuming that the only reason I came here, first of all, is because of you. It's like the entire world revolves around you." Um, and she just like realizes she's like, "Oh, this is like the side of Pris that like used to come out more when we were a kid, when we were in school." And I was like hoping it wouldn't come out again. Pris is basically just like very self-centered um and just as soon as as soon as she gets any indication that lucy is not gonna let her have her own way she just starts like flinging insults and she's like oh i bet you think you're gonna get with this like old lady Catherine. like well she's gonna get tired of you immediately like she's and lucy's like what like you fucking got married and didn't tell me and pris tries to pull the card of like oh well i had to get married to get my money which is like true yeah but you could have talked about it. You could have like done yeah. anything else. Yeah. First of all, Lucy's like, well, um, I don't have to get married and Catherine and I have a relationship, so that's fine. And also, yeah, I was – see, I was like, 
I even though I've hated Pris from the beginning, um, I like still had a measure of sympathy for her because again, she is like a woman with very right. little choices in 1816 England. So I get it. But then when she comes after our girl Catherine and she's like calling her old and tell and like assuming that like she's not good in bed and like throwing all these insults. And I'm like, Mm -hmm. oh, oh, like rolling up the sleeves. I'm like, I'm ready to fight this bitch. Like I'm ready to carry her back to live and fling her off the cliff myself. (laughs) Like do not do not speak of the Countess of Moth in such a disparaging way. Like, keep her name off of your gross little, like, bitchy lips, you horrible person. Do not insult Catherine in front of me. Yeah. Um, and and Lucy's also like, what about your husband, Harry? Like, what about him? And and uh, Pris is like, oh, well, he's a man. And Lucy's just like, what? Like, he's like a super nice guy. We've been friends since we were kids. Like, he does not deserve this. Like, you just don't care about him at all. And she's like, well, I feel like that probably means you don't care about me actually either. Yeah, she's like, Harry, she's like, so you're like, your wedding vows mean nothing. And Pris is like, yeah, like, obviously I'm a lesbian. And like, Lucy's like, yeah, but Harry meant them when he said them. Um, So anyway, yeah, Lucy realizes she's like, wait, wait a second. I'm in a cool house with a bunch of very loyal servants. I don't have to deal with this shit. She's like, I don't have to argue, Pris. Like, we're broken up. Like, I never have to talk to her again. So she opens the door (laughs) and the loyal butler is waiting out there with Pris's hat and coat and is like, uh, bye, bitch. Like, let me escort you to the door. Like, because Pris is like intending to like keep the argument going and like follow Lucy out. Yeah. But then like the butler's there and he's like, hey get the fuck out of my house um, <laughs> visiting hours are over and she throws Pris out on her ass and then the butler has like a very like subtle little like just an fyi like we all really approve of your relationship with Catherine, and we all think it's pretty chill and like you're also really nice and not abusive like her uh ex-husband so a plus from the servants um but all in like a coded subtle way because we can't God forbid we say the word lesbians out loud. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Um, So even though Lucy has just like totally handed Pris's ass to her, Catherine doesn't know this. um, And she comes back like still fully in her mind being like, oh, well, like Lucy must have gotten back with Pris. She's about to leave any day. And then we have this like very confusing conversation. I like really didn't understand. Like we go from Catherine like offering Lucy an allowance and to potentially be the heir to the earldom. Which, like, is that even possible? Could Catherine just, like, choose her heir? Well, she can theoretically choose all her personal money, anything that's not entailed. But, like, within the span of a sentence, we go from that to Catherine just, like, waxing poetic about how they can't possibly have a future together because science and art are too different. Like, I don't know. It was just very confusing. They're just but- – I think it's really just I, – I agree it was a little bit – it wasn't necessarily – straight to follow but I felt like it made sense like I think this was one of those situations in which you're just kind of screaming at the page and you're like just communicate already (laughs) just like say what you actually mean but I didn't mind it in the way that I have in other situations like just communicate situations because I feel like their reactions made sense in terms of what we know of their insecurities like what they both need to like overcome in order to have the happily ever after 
is what comes out. Like this whole conversation is like Catherine assuming that she's too old and too dumb and like too whatever to like be with Lucy and that Lucy is going to get tired. And like now that the book is published, she doesn't need Catherine anymore and she's going to move on. And Lucy is like assuming that like Catherine is also like getting tired of her and she doesn't want to like pay for her anymore. Like she just views her as like something to control instead of like as a partner. And so like both of those things are coming out in this conversation. Mm -hmm. Um, But luckily it it, uh, does not last long. Yeah. (laughs) It's like a day. They're broken up for like a day. Not even. So like Lucy, I guess that night she has, she's supposed to be meeting, I guess, Mr. Edwards, that like fancy guy, right? Or some society guy who's not a Hot science man, Mr. Edwards. Yeah. So she goes to the science like hall or wherever they meet. And when she walks in, she's like, oh, that's weird. Like everyone's pointing and staring at me and like whispering about me. Like why is everyone acting weird? And she just like, what? she's like, whatever. And like frolics off to Mr. Whoever's office. Um, and as soon as she walks in, he's like, oh, I didn't expect you to show up. I guess you haven't seen. And she's like, seen what? And he shows her the like si- the Science Society like newsletter, I guess. And the front page yeah. is a letter written by bitch-ass nephew that was mm-hmm. published by Mr. Hawley, science president. And it's like on the probability of the Alejan's uh, translation having Elephant. actually been previously written <laughs> by Lucy's dad. And they're basically like trying to throw shade on her and, and make it seem as if she just like took her dad's previous work yeah. and published it under her name. And, and the also, stakes are really high because Lucy is like, this will literally follow me like for the rest of my academic right. career. Like every time I do something after this, there are going to be people who are assuming that I've like plagiarized this from someone else. Right. And another thing is that like before her dad died, so like <clears throat> towards the end, he basically lost interest in doing like rigorous – any sort of rigorous mathematical calculations and just like delegated that all to her. And he published some like really like wacky ideas, like theories about like – cities on the moon or like elephants yeah. and stars <laughs> some like weird shit and clouds the letter the also sun. that was my yeah. favorite one <laughs> yeah oh yeah Ra- yeah rain clouds yeah and the yeah. letter <laughs> the letter implies that like oh maybe she was behind those maybe which like just makes no it's just like the most convoluted it's like oh like he plagiarized her and then she plagiarized him yeah. in the way that makes her look the most bad like what? But there's yeah. no there's no implication that it would have been bad that he plagiarized that her dad plagiarized her. Well, I think it was more that she was pretending to be her dad. Right, but no he would have been pretending. Well. Yeah. yeah. Well, he would have been pretending Either to be way, her. Either way. Yeah. I mean, like, it's dumb and mean, but also like Lucy's like, they have the backing of this like legit society, and I'm just like one woman, like I know who everyone is gonna believe, and there's no way they're gonna print a retraction. Um, and yeah, she's like understandably very upset about it and then things get go from bad to worse they don't go from bad well sort of luckily she doesn't have long to stew in her juices over this because <laughs> along puts is mr frampton who if you remember is our friend who wants to make the calculator and who previously was supposed to also be translating the manuscript but gave up because of the asshole nephew's incompetence and so he's he, generally a good ally yeah he's a he's good ally. ally and so he puts up there and he's like good news the society I got them to invite Alejandro, the French, the French dude. I I got them to invite him to the society. <laughs> um, what what is it called? The society? Oh, what's it fucking called? The it's like the, the annual the dinner meeting, or whatever. It's called, uh, yeah, whatever the conference. I don't know. And he's like, good news. He's gonna come, and he will almost certainly want to debate you. And Lucy is like, what the, what the fuck? 
like, how dare you? Like, what do you mean good news? She's like freaking out. And to be he's fair, like, Mr. Frampton has spent this whole time being like, hey, you should send your translation to Elephant because like you shouldn't be translating this thing without this person's knowledge. And Lucy is just like not – she's like, I don't want another man telling me that I shouldn't be doing science, which I kind of get. But I'm also like, uh, Lucy, you're mm, – copyright which, like, infringement, even yeah, though copyright you, doesn't exist. Copyright didn't – it wasn't It wasn't a thing Okay, I, I was going to say, um, how can you not, just like, not to that. that? Not to that extent, no. And especially like – France versus England like the mm. Napoleonic Wars have just ended like nobody's going to be enforcing copyright in 1816 mm. um but, but yeah Mr. Frampton has been egging here so eventually he's like yeah I sent your translation to Elephant um and you're going to debate him and Lucy is like what the fuck why would you betray me like this and he's like don't worry I have a guess I'm not going to tell you anything about it uh, but I'm pretty sure I'm right. And it's going to be sick. Yes. And Lucy is like, uh, what the fuck? Yeah. Um, and we just like – I just like love a good public vindication. And that's what I could immediately yes. smell in the air. And don't mm-hmm. worry. It will deliver. It's great. Um, like the, the so, finale of this is just fabulous. <laughs> so Lucy is like, fuck, fuck, fuck. I'm going to have to debate this smart guy in three months. Um, I need to go prepare. You know, it's possible the Frampton's theory, whatever the fuck it is, is going to work out in my favor. But – no matter what, I have to like make sure to learn every single subject this guy could possibly ask me on. Yeah. So she immediately runs back. Um, she's like, I know I just promised to move out of Catherine's house, but I got to <laughs> use the library. So she's like in there at like 3 a.m. thumping around. Meanwhile, Catherine's in bed and she's like, man, my brain just – my anxiety brain just won't stop thumping. And then like an hour <laughs> in, she's like, wait a second. That's actual thumping. And I'm not going to lie. For some reason, my first thought at this was like, oh – it's definitely the butler fucking someone. Like it's definitely no! Like, no! the butler, the housekeeper. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Or like the butler's gay or something. No! Like someone kind of that's what I thought. That, but no, it's just fucking Lucy throwing books on the ground. For what? It's really wait, important. Catherine's going up at the door. Um, and she's hearing the thumping and she does the thing where she pauses again to try to like hear what's going on in the library, which is a trauma response. But then she realizes, like, hang on, like. Yeah, I'm nervous as to what I'm going to find, but, like, I'm not scared of Lucy the way I was, like, scared of Mm -hmm. George. She's, like, like, I'm pausing, but, like, it's not for the same reasons. Like, I'm not, like, worried that, like, he's going to – she's going to yell at me, like, the moment I go in there, which is really nice and healthy. Um, Yeah, so Lucy has been pulling books off the shelf. Um books and she realizes that there are a bunch of women scientists that used to like write to the society all the time and like do science and they've just been silenced and like had all their shit stolen surprise mm-hmm. surprise that's as if that's not the history of she, science is like yeah. women having their shit stolen by men she finds out that mr holly the society president has a sister who's responsible for like half of the is it comets like half of the star discoveries or something in the last half century yeah, um, she, she like made all like these discoveries. Never, yeah. She to Catherine, she's basically like, oh, this whole time, like, I thought that I was the first woman to ever try to do this. Um, and like that kind of made me feel better because I was like, oh, if only I can make these men them if only I could make them see that I like do have something to contribute, like then if I if only I could communicate that, then of course they would just like immediately realize they were wrong and accept me with open arms. But then she's like, actually, but after like seeing all these other women for like literal centuries trying to do the same thing and doing great work but not getting recognized, I realized that this is futile and what I actually need to do is like reach out to all of them or something. I'm not sure yeah. what her like conclusion is um, from that, but 
Yeah. Just like make sure they're not erased. She's like, even if yeah. it's just me remembering them, like someone's going to remember them. Um, and then they like quickly learn to communicate and like they're like, oh, yeah, I was really insecure about this. And then the, Catherine was like, I was really insecure about this. And then they make up. And I love this makeup sex scene <laughs> because they're making out. And then Catherine like realizes she's naked and she's like, what? How? How did you take off my clothes so fast? Like without me noticing. <laughs> like it's the wizard. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. And then she, yeah, they make it, they have a hot scene on the couch um, where they have a lot, a lot of sex. Like they orgasm like dozens of times. <laughs> um, and it's wonderful and just what our ladies deserve. Um, yeah. but the next morning, uh, back to business, yeah. Lucy informs Catherine of Bitch Ass Nephew's letter to the editor, and Catherine drops the lizard cup and breaks it. <laughs> the lizard cup that. gets broken. Oh, no. And I was like, no. <laughs> But thankfully, Lucy's like has a thought where she's like, I'm just gonna move like the turtle teapot like out of the way so like Catherine doesn't break that too. <laughs> so, like, thank God at least some of the tea set is safe. Yeah. Um, but unfortunately, we do lose the lizard cup. Um oh, and tragic. but then like Catherine is like, I'm gonna support you, like you got this, like I got your back. And Lucy's like, you know, we just basically have like an Elle Woods montage of like Lucy studying and like Catherine like embroidering in the background. Um, and Catherine mm. also shows Lucy her like <laughs> embroidery book and like all the dresses. And she's like, I'm going to make these dresses for you. And Lucy's like, oh, I'm so aroused um, because it's the classic lesbian seduction, embroidery seduction technique. Apparently, yeah. Um, uh. Right. Listen, if some hot like older lady waltzed in and was like i'm gonna embroider beautifully all of these dresses for you i would be like it's like that tiktok it's like where are your clothes at <laughs> like that's me literally that yeah i'd be like what i i'm naked too all of a sudden <laughs> my pants are off <laughs> um, well i get it it would work on me <laughs> yeah um so <laughs> yeah so, yeah, like you said, like, Lucy's frantically studying. Um, and finally, we, like, zoom, zoom, zoom up to the day before the – symposium. That's the word. Up to the oh. day before the Science Society Symposium. Um, and Lucy is just like, fuck, I have been spending this whole time, like, learning everything about physics that I can, but I haven't thought about what I'm going to wear. I only have, like, one nice dress and it's way too fancy. I'm going to look like a harlot if I wear this gold <laughs> dress. And, of course, she, like, says this to Catherine and Catherine's like, soft or uh sly smile she's like mm, yeah well i have been of course i'm prepared for this do you see that dress bag over there that you were like too absorbed in your work to notice it's been sitting there for like weeks <laughs> why don't you open it up <laughs> and it's like the perfect yes. like science astronomer lady dress yes it's beautiful lady. and again yeah. illustrated guide illustrated companion yes. book please yes. somebody somebody send me fan art there oh. must be fan art of it this is a very popular book somebody must have drawn this and like, like is, is this are these kind of patterns like something that people would have actually worn in the regency or like it's, it sounds so cool but it's like would you actually have like stars and like constellations and like comets i think like, some along of the, the more eccentric one there's some pretty cool because i so i've been spending the past two years like saving instagram posts of like <laughs> historical dresses like and organizing them by year and there are, there's some pretty like intricately Damn. embroidered regency things the problem is is that a lot of those dresses probably would have been reused and like restyled so mm. like 
we they don't necessarily survive in like their Regency era form. They would have been like the fabric would have been repurposed for other things. So a lot of them just don't exist anymore. They exist like in bits and pieces in other dresses. Where are the illustrated guides? I don't know. Olivia, wait, please. Illustrated (laughs) guides through history. We would all be better for it. Somebody do this. Um, (laughs) So yeah, yeah, the next day. So they fast forward and they're at the symposium and Mr. Frampton comes all over with his best friend, Elephant, (laughs) who is um, a old, hot black woman, which is amazing. (laughs) Yep. (laughs) Alehan, Elephant. Fine. Elephant. I cave. Elephant is a woman, not only a woman, she's a person of color. Not only that, she's like at least 50. She spent, she's been working for 50 years, like at it for 50 yeah. years. So she's old. And she's a marquee. And she somehow, hung out. Like, she somehow survived both. Yes. Um, but like Red Terror <laughs> and Napoleon. She's like, yeah, I've just been like hanging out in my chateau doing signs this whole time. She like, hung whatever. out with Voltaire. Yeah. Right? We get that her, her mom was like also a scientist. Um, yeah. And she's like, lovely to meet you. I, I'm not even going to attempt a French accent. I just can't do that. But she's I don't. Like, the audiobook narrator did a very good French accent did. and it yeah. really grated on my nerves because I also hate the French <laughs> accent as well as the French language. Oh, I don't hate it. I just can't do it. It was um, a good one like, though. It was very well done. I have to appreciate that. Um, yeah. She's like, lovely to meet you. And Lucy has this thought where she's like, wow, like I can't believe after all of this, like I just did not even occur to my little pea brain that elephant could be anything other than a A man man. or white yeah um she's also like anticipating so the the society has invited elephant to give a talk and then also to give well what they think is a man like him a like honorary membership like to invoke him into the society and lucy's sitting there like oh they're about to get owned (laughs) so hard like this is gonna be so fucking great and i'm sitting there like rubbing my hands together like can't wait for the public owning (laughs) i also i do want to point out that at this point like when Catherine, lucy and elephant were all talking i was like threesome (laughs) like no it's more like no no no, it's more like it's more like potential um partner for aunt kettle marsh or i already forgot her name but kettle something okay consider this foursome oh my god Kelmarsh <laughs> incestuous is though. not biologically yeah, related yeah Catherine is like oh man like in an alternate universe she could have been my stepmother so like okay. it's a very anyway, mother it's a very mother-daughter possibly aunt Kelmarsh I'm also threesome is still on the table for me I <laughs> okay. would very much like that so Lucy <laughs> anyway. so, so at the dinner while Lucy is like rubbing her hands together in anticipatory glee she's seated next to bitch-ass nephew and he's like <laughs> Oh well, um, it's such a like such a shame that you like. I forget. I forget how it comes he's up. Like basically. you won't be here. Like oh, he's like, oh, the food is always really good at the symposiums. Not that you would know. Like you won't be here next year. And Lucy's like, yeah, maybe I won't. And he's like, what? 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 <laughs> yeah, well, no, no, no. What I'm <laughs> what I'm referencing is like he basically like is trying to like had score points on her by like implying that she plagiarized her dad and she's like oh well you know the society is really good at weeding out plagiarizers you know don't you know about uh lord dean who was like kicked out of society in 1783 and lord 
mean who was kicked out in like 1802 and then she like tips her glass at him and she's like yeah you know we do keep a good rain on plagiarizers around here and he's just like sputters and like can't like finish chewing his food and like yeah <laughs> he's like oh, anyway he's totally owned we get a nice little private owning with bitch ass nephew and now the public owning begins <laughs> mr holly mr frampton introduces elephant to mr holly and mr holly is immediately like turns like white as a ghost and he's like fuck fuck like we invited a woman of color to come to talk at our symposium like shit shit (laughs) um and uh then after dinner elephant and lucy um have a little women in stem power moment where like they have like a really productive discussion and then elephant is like lucy what would you do if there was a mistake in your work? And Lucy's like, well, like- if, if I if I told you that I found a mistake while reading your translation. Yes. Go ahead. And Lucy's yeah. like, well, I like that would suck, but like I would own it and I would try to like reprint a corrected version like as soon as possible. And Elephant is like, well, there was a mistake. And the whole audience is like, <gasps> like munching their popcorn, like yeah. furiously, like watching this because they think Lucy's about to get destroyed. And yeah. then Elephant was like, it was my mistake. Like, I realized upon reading your translation that I wasn't clear and that I did it. And everyone was like, <gasps> and like the popcorn goes flying and like yes. everyone's shocked and all the men are like swooning because they don't understand how these women can be so intelligent and competent <laughs> and like respectful. <laughs> and yeah, Elephant's like, and so I will be issuing a reprint of the French version. Um, yes. Yes. And Lucy will translate. And also Lucy's going to translate all my other books. Suck yeah. on that, Mr. Holly. Yep. <laughs> Um, yeah, so that's that's excellent. Um, and so I forget like now, okay, so it turns out Catherine, she is she has taken Lucy's idea to remember the woman scientists and ran with it. So she's been writing furiously to all of these women scientists and seeing like who's still doing science, like who's giving it up, like who's dead, like who like she's getting all the updates. And she's invited a bunch of them to the symposium. And one of the people that has been invited by Lucy and Catherine is Mr. Holly's sister. Oh, she was <laughs> so, invited? I missed that. Yeah. Okay. So Mr. Yeah. So Lucy, Mr. Holly goes up to Lucy and he's like I guess I had to eat my words. And Lucy's like, yeah, you got owned as shit. But guess what, bitch? I'm coming in for round two. Because guess who else? She was like, have you spoken to your sister recently? And he was like, we don't have a good relationship. And she's like, is it because you wouldn't let her join the science society? And he's like, and she's like, maybe you should apologize to her, dick. And then up, up appears Miss Holly being like, hello, brother. Like, And then like, I want to push you off the stage, but instead we'll have a conversation. <laughs> and then last scene, there's there's one more scene. Yeah. So this whole time, Lucy and Catherine have been wondering, they're like, we can't get married. Like, how can we have some sort of like lasting relationship besides like us just deciding to like live together? Like, how can we sort of like tie ourselves to each other legally and like financially in similar ways to marriage? So our little business ladies uh, have a essentially a Regency lesbian marriage (laughs) and they go into business together to support women in STEM. And they basically just like open to open a fund to like publish and like nurture women in STEM, which is lovely. Um, and I was grinning from ear to ear at the end. I was like, you, you guys are so cute together. Like, like yeah. you're going to change the world. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it was great. Um, so that was the lady's guide to celestial mechanics. And it's at first glance, a weird 
but after reading the book, entirely appropriate title because it is it is a large a large plot thread is in fact the main characters writing a lady's guide to celestial mechanics. Are you okay? <laughs> my mic just fell into my boobs. It's okay. <laughs> um. Yeah. Anyway. <laughs> what is let's talk about the cat scale Catherine is very cat like lucy's very dog like and it i mean no actual cats unfortunately um i feel like with like science, i maintain we really could have like weaved in some cats but i maintain that Catherine counts well and it, that's, it's historical so we know it's c-a-t right am i wrong that's true it is c-a-t-h yep. okay cat. all right wait let me okay one Two, three, five. Oh, interesting. Oh, we got a four out of this. Yeah. I feel like it was not heavy on the cat, but still a little bit more. There was still, I feel like, some cat presence. Whereas, like, Destiny's Surrender didn't have, like, any cat presence. And it just got, like, a courtesy number. Yeah. I feel like cats would love a telescope or embroidery thread to fuck with. Yes. They would be a menace. Very, oh, God. Exactly. Like, Catherine, exactly. And Catherine and Lucy should never get a cat nope. because, like, they would just, they would the just fuck would love up it. all of their dreams. Yep. Yeah, but it would be a cat wonderland. <laughs> <laughs> their house would be a cat wonderland. Indeed. <laughs> okay. okay. Uh, where can they find us, Rachel? Instagram, we read it one night. Twitter, we read it podcast. And Facebook, we read it one yeah. night. And at Gmail, we read it one night at gmail.com. Um, please leave us a review. If there's anything that you think we can do better, we would love to hear from it, either in a review or by email. If you leave a review, even if you're giving us constructive criticism, please also give us five stars. That would be lovely. <laughs> and leave uh, your recommendations for what book we should do next. Um, and we will add it to our handy dandy spreadsheet and um, eventually do it someday um, and don't forget to download and follow yes thank you thank you thanks for listening right. meow meow godspeed comrade